The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500, or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Hello, Eagles fans. I'm your guy, Tony DeShields II, and I'm joined by none other than our Philadelphia Eagles insider, John McMullen, and this is Football 24-7. First and foremost, make sure you guys smash that like button, and also make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube network. We really appreciate you guys for always locking in, as you always do. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the support. We even appreciate you guys who begrudgingly come here every day for your daily <laughs> dose of punishment. So we appreciate you guys for always locking in on the content. Again, make sure you guys smash that like button. And make sure you guys are subscribing. Also, if you guys want more content from not just John McMullen, not just myself, always locking in on Jacob Sports. Check John out on Birds 365 um, daily, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern time. Also, check out his writing on si.com and also on jacobsports.com. And you can also check me out on Sports Take and check me out on the National Football Show. Uh, John, uh, first and foremost, my friend, how are you feeling? How's your uh, your day treating you? Yeah, I didn't know people came begrudgingly, but uh, oh, I, guess, trust me, they I do. guess we'll take it. I guess we'll take it. They uh, do. Trust me. They come, but they can't. They, they don't know why they come back, but they come back. It's 
it's uh it's pretty standard, you know, pretty standard. Well, you got Celia, so you know he's he's, <laughs> he's controversial. Yeah, definitely, definitely. He 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 pulls no punches. Uh, but yeah, man, you know, um, it's the off season. You know, uh, this thing is starting to heat up. Eagles made the Eagles made their coordinator hires, and uh, things are starting to trickle down. Um, can you provide us with any sort of recent updates from the Novacare complex in regards to these Philadelphia Eagles and any moves they have made, have yet to make, um, or could be making? No, uh, all quiet on the coaching front other than uh, looks like Carl Scott, who was going to come, uh, is not. Uh, so a couple of reports that he was going to be, one said he was going to be the secondary coach, one said he was going to be some kind of senior defensive uh, coach, uh, depending on the title. Now looks like he's going to stay in Seattle uh, on Mike McDonald's staff, the new head coach out there. So it's one of those things. That's why you got to be careful this time of year when it comes to assistance, because a lot of times, especially in, in situations where guys are leaving, Pete Carroll's leaving. So, um, you know, the assumption is the new guy might want to bring in his new people. Um, and that's probably what happened with Carl. And all of a sudden, Mike McDonald gets the job and he says, huh, I'd like to keep Carl Scott. And, and I don't know his family situation or things like that, but that's wow. a pretty big move, Seattle to uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, literally um, coast to coast. And it could be something as simple as that if you have kids in school or 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 something of that nature. Um, so Carl's going to stay in Seattle. Uh, so the Eagles are back in the market for for somebody uh, to either coach the secondary, be a senior defensive advisor type coach. Um, so he's not going to be here. Um, and then, you know, you, a lot of decisions to be made. Devontae Smith kind of hinted that Aaron Moorhead's still around, which kind of surprises me, to be honest. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be back, um, but it's one of those situations where Kellen Moore comes in. Maybe he's got somebody in mind for to be the receiver's coach, and uh, all of a sudden Aaron Moorhead's got to go. But if he doesn't have somebody else, um, you know, Devonte likes him. AJ likes him. Nick likes him. Maybe he gets to stay. So, uh, but Devonte, when he was doing interviews, he and AJ were doing interviews because they have a, a bounty paper towel thing they're promoting. Um, and uh, he kind of mentioned that with Aaron Moorhead, uh, which was a bit of a surprise because that's a guy I think most people thought probably wasn't going to be brought back. Yeah, it is interesting because Kellen Moore is such a young guy. He's only uh, 35 or 34 years old. And, you know, I mean, granted, he's been an OC for five years, but a guy that young, you you ask yourself, how large of a Rolodex uh, does he have at his disposal? You know, when it comes ah, to the Rolodex, back. my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, Rolodex. Uh, <laughs> is, it, is that your favorite word, John? <laughs> yeah, I mean, with coaches, it's kind of. It's not one of my favorite things because, like, they, that that was the Eagles kind of threw that out there at the end with Doug Peterson. Well, and I'm I'm I had that discussion with a bunch of people because Doug um, was lucky enough, obviously, to play for for Andy Reid and get on his staff. So 
the 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 talk at the time was Nick Sirianni has a bigger Rolodex than Doug Peterson. And I'm like, why? Because he got fired from a bunch of spots and Doug didn't. Like, you're not leaving Andy Reid. Why would you leave? Right. Rid of you. But but the other dumb part of that is he played 13 stinking seasons in the league. You, sounds like you know, have a pretty large roll of decks. <laughs> yeah, you get to know people. So I don't know. That's not one of the same thing with Kellen Moore. He played six years, still a young guy, but this will be his six years as a coordinator, too. Um, started out as a quarterback's coach. So he knows plenty of people. He knows right. plenty of people. Are there any names that you've heard whispers of in terms of him bringing in guys on the staff? Uh, mainly Doug Nussmeyer, the quarterback coach they had in Dallas and, and with the Chargers. But uh, until it happens, you know, it doesn't happen. Uh, the Eagles wow. have told basically Alex Tanney to start looking for another job. So he's not going to be back. So, you know, there's going to be a, a a move at that particular position. And, and the fact that uh, Doug has worked with uh, – Kellen Moore pretty consistently uh, and, and again, moving from Dallas to the Chargers with him would indicate that he's somebody he'd want to bring in. Um, everybody's obviously got to be on board um, with, with him coming in, but you know, the term I heard was would be a huge upset if he didn't join the Eagles. So, um, that would be one guy, and and maybe that might be the most important position coach that they're going to hire, uh, because obviously you got to get uh, Jalen Hurts back on the right track. So he'll have a big part in that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today, you know, I was thinking about well, I have been thinking about the Philadelphia Eagles roster from top to bottom. You know, we've been so hung up on their defensive needs, uh, to a certain extent, I feel the offensive needs are kind of being overlooked. And, you know, just at face value, looking at this roster from top to bottom and looking at looking at position group by position group and the different amount of resources allocated to each group, this Philadelphia Eagles team lacks a lot of depth. And, you know, I want to, again, I, I want to start on the offensive side, the running back room, Kenny Gainwell and... Some guy named Lou Nichols the <laughs> third. Um, Poor Lou, man. And I don't mean, and I, and I don't mean any great, disrespect. Lou was a great college player, man. Great college I, player. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. You know, I'm sure his resume is legitimate in college. Um, but I'm curious to know when you think about this team, right? On offense, again, I mentioned the running back position, Kenny Gainwell. Then at the wide receiver position, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. Britton Covey is a specialist for the most part. I mean, other than that, who do they really? Who can you really put stock in? And then Dallas Goddard, Grant Kakatera, can he stay healthy? Can Dallas Goddard stay healthy? Be, beyond those guys, okay, Noah Togiai. Uh, they, they, Tungiai. Noah Tungiai, excuse me. Tungiai, excuse me. But I, I, bring all the, I bring all that up because I'm curious to know, when you think, when you look at this Philadelphia Eagles offense, which is supposed to be their strongest group, how strong can they really be with this lack of depth? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, they got to get better depth wise, but uh, I don't, I don't know if you can look at any team um, and if you, you know, have to replace players like 
AJ Brown or Devontae Smith or Dallas Goddard or Lane Johnson or 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 Jason Kelsey. I don't I don't know if anybody's equipped to do that. So I think a lot of that is a little bit overblown because when you lose players like that, it's not like oh, other teams have, oh, we'll just stick somebody else in and then perform at that level. But you would you certainly want um want better depth. You want to be able to have guys that can at least uh persevere if they're forced into action. And and some guys did. I, you know, Kaylee Ringo. You bring up Lou Nichols. I wasn't going to go here, but you know, that's a guy I I I think you you might be talking about next summer because you know hmm. he got he got here late. He was a draft pick uh, of, of Green Bay. He led uh, the nation in rushing uh, at, at Central Michigan. He's a big, powerful back. He's, he's got a little bit of a Isaiah Pacheco in him. When you know he runs hard, but he he was here. He got here late, so you know it's not going to make to when you have veteran running backs. But next summer he might. You know, just I'm just saying put put a pin in that for now, but he might turn into something. Um, right. And, 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 you're, and you're absolutely right. And look, again, I know, I, I know Lou Nichols kind of caught a straight bullet just now, but I guess, <laughs> you know, you know, my, my overall, you know, point is the fact that they have their problems, I think are much larger than just the defense. And also I say all that to say, some people look at this as a one year fix. I do not. Um, how do you when you think about all the things that Philadelphia Eagles have to do on this team? What's the length of this fix, right? You know, do you see this as a two year fix, three year fix, one off? There's no, how, there's how are you gauging? No, this is you know, there's teams that go from worst to first in the NFL every season now. Um, it's not like basketball where you're going to be down for 10 years if you don't make the right decision or you don't lose mm-hmm. enough or you don't get a top five pick. You can turn things around quickly in the NFL. Um, are they going to be a Super Bowl contender? I doubt it. You know, Howie's going to have to make a lot of right decisions uh, all over the place, free agency, the draft. Um, but, you know, he, he's done it before. He's had those types of seasons. Um, so, yeah, you can turn around things pretty quickly. Um, if you hit on – look at Detroit and you know, the, their draft with uh, – you know, they got a lot of – crap for drafting Gibbs and had the big fumble, which didn't help him, but he was a phenomenal player for them during the season. Jack Campbell, a lot of people criticized him. Then they go second round, they get Brian Branch and, and Sam Laporta. I mean, contributor, 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 contributor. There's four guys, four high-level players from the draft. Um, something like that happens. The Eagles have three picks in the top 54, I think. If they get three contributors like that, it's going to turn around pretty quickly. But you got to hit. You got to make good decisions, uh, certainly in free agency. And um, and how he's proven he can do that in the past. And then health is a big part of it as well. You got to stay healthy, and they weren't as healthy this season. But they could turn around things very quickly. My concern is the off-the-field stuff, the coaching stuff. I, I don't think. 
I've been pretty above board. I, you got a guy coaching for his job and everybody knows it. I don't think that's a positive. I never think that's a positive. I don't think it's positive in Dallas. I don't think it's positive here. Um, you, you know, I like it, – it's funny because I like, you know, Big Fangio as a defensive coordinator. Don't like the scheme, but, you know, nobody's going to criticize Vic as a coach. Right. Um, I like Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator. So I like them in a vacuum. I just don't like the way they were brought here. If that mm, makes sense, no, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, the, the reality is that the the in my opinion, I, I feel like this se- this season has been plagued by a series of miscues and mishandlings. Well, I, I, I yeah, I yeah, I, I'm I I think I think Jeffrey did a bad job with this uh, with the way he's handled the the coaching situation. I'm very honest about that. I think he did a bad job. Um, and you can go one of two ways, you know, if you show the courage of your convictions, if you think he did that bad of a job that you have to demand all of his lieutenants, this guy's got to go, this guy's got to go, this guy's got to go, then fire him. Just fire him. Um, and that's or, your main thing. Don't be one foot in, one foot out. Don't straddle yeah, the fence. Exactly. If, you're, if, if it was this, if it was, if it was bad enough to fire his entire staff, why keep him in the building? Yeah, and certain guys will be back. Obviously, Stout's going to be back, and of course, I, I just mentioned Aaron Moorhead. We'll see. I, I, there's no guarantee he's going to be back, but there's a few other guys. Uh, Kevin Petula is going to be here, um, so it's not going to be the whole staff, but it's going to be a significant portion of it. And uh, look, if if you don't have that kind of confidence in the head coach to pick assistant coaches and things of that nature, then, you know, what are we doing? As I said, um, so fire them, um, and show the courage of your convictions. And, but right now we, as you mentioned, it feels like one foot in one foot out. You, you have a bunch of, um, contingency plans, whether it's Kellen Moore, um, whether it's Bick, and that can go in the negative direction. Um, you know, if there's an obvious error apparent in case things go badly early in the season, so many things. You you, you do you never I you never want to have a lame deck coach. Um and, and you know, Nick's not on the final year of his deal, so he's not a lame duck from that standpoint. Uh you never want that, but you also never want somebody to be perceived as coaching for his job. And that's mm. everybody in this league perceives that Nick Sirianni's coaching for his job. And that's never a good thing because at the first sign of adversity, you know, sometimes it's human nature for guys to say, well, he's not, he's not going to be here next year anyway. And that, yeah, that can take things in a really, really bad direction. That begs the question, is this setting up for, I don't know, uh, power struggle between Nick Sirianni and Kellen Moore when it comes to this offense because I look because I'm, I'm, I'm based on everything you're saying this is not uh, a favorable situation for anybody involved do you see well, I, I, power I, struggle I, brewing I don't I don't know 
Kellen, haven't met him yet. Um, going to talk to John Machado, covered him for years in Dallas, uh, tomorrow on the show. So people should tune in to Birds 365 for that uh, to get their Machado does Kellen, a great job, by the way. Yeah, Kellen Moore info. I, I don't know him. I haven't met him yet. Um, but there is no power struggle because <laughs> Jeffrey Lurie defined it. It's his offense. Um, wow. You know, they'll call it the Eagles offense. They'll call it our offense. Um, but he's got the final say. So it's his offense. Um, so there is no power struggle. Well, okay. So let's frame it like this: Is this setting up for um, a turbulent relationship between OC and head coach? Again, a guy like Nick Sirianni, who essentially is coaching for his job, you bring in this younger guy to run his off to run the offense. And look, there's a human element involved in all of this. There, there's no way that we can. Ex- I'm not saying you're saying this, but you know, there's no way that the people can expect that relationship to just be smooth sailing, knowing what we know about Nick Sirianni's situation. Um, I wouldn't, but uh, you know, and the the term I've heard coined uh, a, a few times is uh, he thought people got too comfortable, and he wants them to be Jeffrey comfortable. Yeah. Okay. And he wants them to be more uncomfortable. Um, sometimes that could be a good thing. Um, sometimes that could be a bad thing. I've never gotten the indication that Kellen Moore is some kind of overbearing personality. Um, so I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, People got and, too comfortable. Who do you think he's referring to specifically? Everybody. Uh, the coaches, the players. um, quarterback um you know uh, that's pretty much and and that can happen um when you have too much success and all of a sudden you don't start trying to stay ahead of the curve which i think was the perception from uh jeffrey everything was too stale you heard that stagnant all those kinds of words um and the assumption is, you know, Nick didn't change anything um, and everybody caught up magically on one week, San Francisco. So everybody ripped Nick Bosa. And now everybody thinks Nick Bosa was right when he said how you play Jalen Hurts, which is bullshit as we talk about on here because people have been trying to do that for two years which is basically just be very disciplined with the pass rush keep them inside the pocket for some um and and if you are gonna you know blush um and he mentioned also about jalen's looking at the pass rush instead of keeping his eyes downfield stuff like that so Everybody killed him at the time, and now everybody thinks he was right. Um, I just think they weren't as talented. They had more injuries, um, especially on defense. Um, They just weren't very good on defense. Weren't very good. And, you know, when you start talking about the playoffs – I, I think a lot of people forget A.J. Brown wasn't in that game. And I think a lot of people forget the Eagles offense before A.J. Brown got here. 
which was 2021, there were some good and there were some bad, but everything was kind of a struggle. And then I always said he was the final piece of the puzzle and things took off. Um, but you're, but you know, but you're paying, and obviously the contract kicks in uh, in March or going into the season, but you, 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 they believe Jalen Hurts is their franchise quarterback. And when you give a guy that kind of contract, you, you would like to believe that he can elevate beyond just one player being out. And I granted that one player is a huge piece of the puzzle, but I always feel like I, I would like to think the quarterback is a much larger piece of the puzzle. Well, the quarterback is because it's obviously the most important position on the field. But and I also would like to think Jalen Hurts has improved as a quarterback since 2021. Yeah, I think he has, but he was also didn't look as healthy um, as he had in prior seasons. And we know the knee injury. Maybe there were some other things because really, if you go back even early in the season before he hurt his knee, he didn't look like he had the same burst, so maybe something else was going on. Um, and he didn't play, you know, he didn't play well down the stretch. And he he started getting back into some bad habits, you know, flushing immediately instead of trying to climb the pocket, manipulate the pocket, um, extend plays that way. And once you start doing that, teams try to take advantage of it, and I think teams did a good job with their adjustments and the Eagles didn't do a good job adjusting back, but um, yeah, he's got, he's got to play better. I mean, I, in a lot of ways, cause all the coaching stuff, he's kind of skating by. Um, he played really poorly down the stretch, which was a disappointment. Could that, be, could that be the comfortable thing that Jeffrey's talking about? Like, yeah, you know, the onus is on the quarterback to definitely avoid the bad habits, but also, um, the, um, the onus is also on the coaching staff to monitor the quarterback's bad habits and try to keep them at bay, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it had more to do with, you know, Brian Johnson being close to him and, and wanting more of a, a bad cop, which I, I don't the same they they said the same thing with Carson Wentz and Preston. Yeah, I was going to say the the John DiFilippo thing was, in my opinion, to Jalen Hurts' benefit because he was a no nonsense and he was very rigid with what he wanted from the quarterback. Yeah, John is, but uh, and and you try to blame like you try to blame it on assistant coaches, and I I mean I I it drives me insane. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's the players. It's the players. Um, you're you're not winning fourteen games because oh the coaching staff is doing this phenomenal. I, I get like I said when I'm watching the championship games, all anybody talks about it are the coaches. It's absurd to me. It really is. Um, in the moment, as I said, they'll say, "Oh, so and so made a great play. Jamison Williams made a great play." Um, you know, on the reverse or and scoring a touchdown, and then it's back to the coaches, and then it's okay. back to the coaches, and then it's me, back to the coaches. Let me ask you this this question that just popped into my head, and it's in relation to what we're talking about here. Let's say an average NFL team, eight and nine, average NFL team, eight and nine, eight and nine record. How many wins does a great coach 
add on to that eight and nine record? And how many losses does a bad coach add on to that record? You can lose more than you win. Um, you can you can lose more than you win. You you might if you have Bill Belichick in his prime or Andy Reid in a prime, you give everybody the same roster, they're probably gonna win one or two more games than an average coach. Um, you know, and a bad coach can definitely lose some games uh with some poor decision making. You know, if you look at ironically, if you look at the advanced stats and the decision making, nobody helped their team more. Again, I say ironically than Dan Campbell this year, mm-hmm. um, because he was ahead of the curve. He he was ahead of the curve in the fact that, again, ironically, goes for it so much on fourth down. Typically, that's a good thing uh, because it puts so much pressure uh, on the opposing team. You got to defend makes common sense. You got to defend four downs instead of three downs. It's a hell of a lot easier to get 10 yards and four downs than 10 yards and three downs. I'm surprised it took this long for somebody to go in that direction. Um, So he, he was the coach that was helping his team the most. By his wasn't Doug wasn't Doug Peterson kind of on that curve as well? I mean, he yeah, was going Doug was, a lot. Doug, Doug was ahead of the curve, um, in in definitely in 2017, um, and that was big for the Eagles. Um, uh, and now Dan was this year. Dan kind of blew it up this year. Um, and then people talk about Brandon Staley, um, not being as successful with it. Um, and it's it's easy, but um. Some of his decision making was just whoa. He he would go for on a fourth down at, at his own fifteen, <laughs> at his own twenty. I'm like, uh, Brandon, I, I'm all for aggressiveness, but time. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. It, the well, the time is when you make it, and the place is when you don't make it. So <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's yeah. I mean, generally, Dan would go minus forty. Um. So at your own 40-yard line forward, you you knew if they were close, they were going to go for it. And that puts tremendous, tremendous pressure on, on the opposing team. Yeah, when you're backed up, obviously, you got to use a little bit more sense. Um, uh, but, you know, there was the high school coach who never punted. She said, I'm going for it every time. Um and I'm surprised it's taken this long. And more people, you're going to see more teams follow what the Lions did this year, which is going to shock people because of what happened in the NFC Championship game. But again, if somebody drops the football, that's not a bad decision because you would have converted if the team executed. Um, so you have to execute. You have to have a good team. You have to have a good offense to do it. But if you have a good offense and you're using all four of your downs, that is tough to deal with. Tough, I'm, tough, tough to deal with. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Look, and you, and you and you speak about it all the time. Look, a coach can make a coach can make the perfect decision, but the result may not be favorable because someone on the field didn't do their job, and everyone ultimately has a job to do. And your biggest problem, you know, after from listening to you, you know, for as much as we many conversations we've had. Your biggest problem is stop taking the onus off of people when they have a job to do, period. 
Well, the players are so much more important than the... Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Right. I, right. I think there's a, a sentiment that, oh, if you just had a good coach, he'd turn, insert Quez Watkins into and a, you know. That's your problem with the Eagles' decision-making this season. They put too much of the own, the, based on their moves with the firings, you 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 look at it as, you 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 don't have the players. You're looking at the coaches to kind of to kind of yeah. turn this oh, pig into a prop. prop yeah. point. I mean, you know, a lot of people. Denard Wilson um, finally got a job as a defensive coordinator. Congratulations to him as well with uh, Tennessee, right? Yeah, and you know, and I'm sure Denard was upset. Um, and it, and Denard, I believe, should have been promoted here. Um, but you know, I I wrote today. He should be happy. He got lucky. He had to wait 12 months, but he got lucky. Because if he were the defensive coordinator here last year, he might have been a little bit better. But they were a disaster personnel-wise. Right. I don't I don't care who you're throwing in there. You can bring, you know, George Hallis back, Vince Lombardi back, whomever you think is the greatest coach in the history of the world, this Eagles defense wasn't going to be good this year. Um. They were really bad in the back seven. And 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 it wasn't going to change with Denard Wilson. And the same thing. So what would have happened is, you know, Bick didn't want to be in Miami. Bick would have been here. Um, same thing would have happened. Maybe they have the 20th ranked defense. And the Eagles would have done the same thing. They would have blown out Denard Wilson after one year because he didn't do a good enough job. And they would have brought Vic Fangio. So now he has a legitimate opportunity with a rookie head coach that's an offensive-minded guy. He'll get – nobody gets a long rope um, in today's NFL, but he'll get a longer rope to learn on the job and grow on the job. And he wouldn't have gotten that here. So long-term, even though he's probably upset about being passed over, not probably, definitely, even mm -hmm. though he should have been upset, long-term, probably worked out for him a little bit better. He's going to have a better opportunity to get his footing and become a legitimate defensive coordinator in this league. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Um, real quick before we get out of here, I kind of want to shift a little bit. I kind of want to talk to you about um, the idea of roster building in the NFL. Uh, as it pertains to the Philadelphia Eagles. And this topic I'm going to bring up to you, some may, some may deem it as a bit forward. Some may say, uh, you're reaching a little bit. But I want to get your perspective because I care about your opinion, John. That when makes one. Of, All right. <laughs> when I think of, when, when you really think back to this Philadelphia Eagles team, let's just go back to, the 2017 season when they won the Super Bowl. I want to ask you this question. And I kind of I don't want to I don't want to pollute it too much, but I'll ask you straight up. Had the Philadelphia Eagles been on borrowed time since they won since they won that 
since they won Super Bowl 52. And here's, here's why I asked that. When you think about the way they built that team, there was a lot of free agents that comprised their starters, right? You know, you think about Timmy Jer- uh, Timmy Jerrigan, um, drafted by the Ravens. The Eagles didn't draft him. Torrey Smith, the Eagles did not draft him. Ronald Darby, Buffalo. Nigel Bradham, Buffalo. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Chicago. Um, Jake Elliott was drafted by Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, Brandon Brooks, Houston Texans. Jay Ajayi, Miami. Um, Kamu Gruger Hill, New England. Malcolm Jenkins, New Orleans. Patrick Robinson, New Orleans. Uh, uh, Stephen Wisniewski, uh, Oakland Raiders. Um, Darren Sproles, San Diego. Chris Long, St. Louis. Uh, Najee Good, um, Tampa Bay. You know, I, I, my point is, Philadelphia Eagles, they've been really relying on the free agent pool to really fill out their roster. And in my opinion, they haven't done a good enough job drafting um, over that uh, over the course of time to really prepare them today so they can have a solid foundation. You look at that defensive side today, a lot of mercenaries, not enough drafted talent, you know, to get you through, and they're not hitting enough, right? So, again, I ask, do you, do, is it possible or realistic to say the Eagles have kind of been on borrowed time since that Super Bowl because they haven't really um, – had as much draft success as it had free agency. <clears throat> well, draft is always important, but no, I wouldn't talk about 2017. Now in the NFL, you're, you're talking about two, three-year increments, sort of little patches, and 2017 has absolutely nothing to do with 2024 right now. Okay. You know, it's great when you get players like Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, who – Brandon Graham, who stay around um, for as long as they have, but, you know, point to another core four around the NFL. Doesn't exist. I right. ask that, but doesn't exist. Literally does not exist anywhere else. You so, bring up a good point that from a personnel standpoint, it, there's no real correlation, but, no. the, but, the, but the philosophy of, the, of the, the, the philosophy and their habits, and what I mean by that is, the habit of not hitting on defensive draft picks, right? And when you don't hit on draft picks, it puts you in a position of having to supplement that miss with the free agent signing. And I think that's where the Philadelphia Eagles have found themselves time and time again. And I think that's their problem today. Um, well, I brought up Detroit, who had a great draft this year, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it came to meaningful immediate contributors um but you know their history is pretty dismal uh Mm -hmm. overall so it can change quickly obviously it's an inexact science i mean i would i would argue you know last year pretty good with Chandler carter i mean it should be at that point especially a guy you get a guy who arguably should have been the top pick at number nine so Mm -hmm. Most of the issues there had to do with off the field stuff. Um, you, you know, Nolan Smith, I know my partner in the morning thinks he's a bust. I'm like, it's one year. Was it good? No. I'm more concerned about his health long term with the shoulder. Um, so, but I'm not ready to give up on him. And then if you go back to the year prior with Nicobe Dean, same thing, health issue. Um, are you ready to give up on him as being a 
terrible draft pick. Some people do. Uh, there's, you know, Jody loved Nickobe Dean, didn't he? Yeah, he loved Nickobe. So How he's not ready to now? give up on him. No, he's not ready. But he admits you can't count on him. Um, now the problem is there have been a couple years, really, if you want to go back, because of the Carson Wentz trade. There was a, a two-year period where they had five picks, ended up with five picks. It's obviously right, 2018 we, was one of those years, right? That was the that was the Dallas Goddard. Uh, yeah, but 2018 was actually a phenomenal draft, though. It they was, only had five it picks, but they got Dallas Goddard, Avante Maddox, they got Josh Sweat, they got Jordan Mailata. That was a phenomenal and, draft, absolutely right. And uh, even Matt Pryor turned in, you know, to a long-term NFL player. Right. Uh, he's on um, is in the, in uh, Indianapolis, right? I was in San Francisco. I I forget where he ended up, uh but he's played like 75 NFL games. That's pretty good for a 6-round pick. So Right, right. As of right now, yes, he was on San Fran's roster, uh played in 15 games. Um gave him some quality reps. Uh Matt Pryor, I know we're going off on a tangent with Matt Pryor. I didn't see that coming, but uh well, that's a good um, six-round pick, even though people might say Matt Pryor. I mean, that's what you want out of a six-round pick. If you get exactly. a six-round pick that plays 75 NFL games, to me, that's you're hitting on the draft pick. Exactly. Um, Absolutely. He's played he, – he's contributed um, north of 1,900 uh, offensive snaps um, in, 20, in 2023, um, played 42 offensive snaps, 5% of the total snaps he was available for. But, again, he's an offensive lineman. They don't rotate those guys. They put him in as needed. So – um, yeah, yeah and I mean, then the, and and the next year was pretty bad, where you got Miles and not much else. Andre Dillard, um, you know, still going to be in the league because he's got talent, but never turned into what certainly the Eagles expected. Now that's somewhat mitigated by Jordan Mailata turning into a star, which nobody projected, yeah. or or should. If you can compare it to anything, you probably could compare it to. Um, the San Fran thing with uh, Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. Obviously, yeah, the Eagles man. didn't leverage three first-round picks exactly. for Dillard. Exactly. But in terms of just a first-round talent in comparison to a seventh-round no-man's-land no player, you know, yeah. that you can probably compare it to that. Yeah, you're taking a plier, and, and it worked out. And that's actually a good comp because, you know, yeah, the 49ers' plan was to go with Trey Lance, and it didn't mm -hmm. work, but it was mitigated. And, by and the they factor. tried to give him the job. They tried. Yeah. <laughs> they tried to get the same thing with the Eagles. They tried everything possible to get Dillard on the field. And, and when you miss, and then you go to 2020, when you miss on a player like Jefferson at the same position, not only was it the same position, but it was 21-22. So he went right after Rager. Um, that's always going to look bad. Um, but, I mean, you can't – everybody makes mistakes on, on draft picks, and there's such revisionist history. Yeah, um, mistakes is one thing. Because um, no, right, I do agree with you. Mistakes happen. And, look, sometimes you draft a guy and he just doesn't pan out. I totally understand that. But here's here's my retort to that, right? You know, if you miss on, okay, Kayvon Thibodeau. If you missed on Kayvon Thibodeau, okay, can I really get mad at you? Everybody was talking about Kayvon Thibodeau. You know what I mean? I can't get mad. Dude, I can't, they didn't miss on him. He's, no, no, he's but, no, but what I'm saying is, what, what I'm saying is, let's say Kayvon Thibodeau did not amount to what people thought he would be, right? Am I going to kill the, a team for drafting a guy that everybody wanted? No. But no one was talking about Jalen Rager. 
See, that's like just not, that's absolutely that. See, that bothers me. That's okay. absolutely okay. not true. Make it make sense at for the, me then. At the worst, that Jalen Reger was going to get picked by the Saints. Um, they were going to take him, and I forget what number I'd have to look it up, but it was pretty soon after um, the Eagles took him, and the Saints were going to take him. Uh, and this, this, because I've heard that a lot, like Jalen Rager shouldn't have been a first round pick. That's, that's bullshit. I mean, the whole league thought he was going to be, uh, okay, know, here a first it is. Round so, pick. at the um, bare minimum, at the bare minimum, a, a bridge pick, uh, right? Meaning, meaning end of first round, early second round. That, that was the, the floor for Jalen Rager. I don't know where that started. So the Saints had the 24th pick. Okay. They were going to take him at 24. Right. Um, they chose Caesar Ruiz at center. Okay. Um, I, I, I see your point. I see your point. Now, the but problem I, is but it's, I not, it's not only Jefferson because Ayuk won at 25, and he's turned into a great player. Um, so, yeah, it looks bad. But this nonsense that the Eagles were the only team going to take – Jalen Rager and he would have been like a third round pick if they I mean I, I don't know where that comes from that's just blatant revisionist history he was a big time prospect who didn't live up to the hype you take a look at Minnesota gets Jefferson who's you know and by the way he went 22nd so what does that mean that means there's 21 other picks and 20 besides the Eagles who also passed on what is arguably the not even arguably the best player in the draft. You know, you could say Joe Burrow because he's more important at a quarterback and all right, but the best pure football player in the draft, that draft went 22nd. So the Eagles weren't the only team saying, Oh, he's a slot receiver because Guess what? LSU played him in the slot, and a bunch of people bought into it and said, well, he probably can't play outside. And, you know, they stuck him outside, and he turned into this great player. Um, And, yeah. And, and, by the way, they also, as I also point out, they had a high-volume quarterback who throws for a ton of yards, no matter who he has. And if he would have came here – it wouldn't have been the same. That's another thing. Bit matters. And the same team took Jeff Gladney, rest his soul, because he passed away in a car accident right. um, in, in the first round, who was a bust before he got into problems. So the same team had two first-round picks. Yeah, they hit on one. They missed really poorly on the other. There's so much revisionist history when it comes to the draft. They certainly missed the pick. But overall, getting back to the original point, 2021 was a good draft. Right, right. Really quickly, um, though, really quickly, though, before we before we get back to the original point, I will say this. Um, although what you're saying may be true, that he uh, people were going to pick Jalen Rager. Okay, I won't, I, I won't deny that. But I will say this. One guy that I do respect highly as far as his opinion on prospects is Daniel Jeremiah, right? Um, and um, I respect your opinion as well. I want to make that clear too. But um, 
Dan Jeremiah, you know, he puts out his top 50 players every single year. And I'm looking at his top 50 players from that year in particular. And, you know, I see T. Higgins. I see C.D. Lamb. I see all the Justin Jefferson. I see all those guys. Brendan Ayuk even made the list at 27. Um, I see a lot of the wide receivers that was chosen around Jalen Rager in the, in his top 50. And Jalen Rager is nowhere to be found. And, and I'm not saying Dave Jeremiah's law, but again, I even see LaVishka Chenault in his top 50 of wide receivers. I don't see Jalen Rager anywhere. Well, so I guess, I hey, guess my point is hey, to- uh, uh, Daniel does probably 10 versions of that list. That's true too. Through the process. So um, at one point, was he not on that list? I don't know if that's the final list. Um, and I, I'm just looking up and yeah, NFL.com had him as a first round pick. So you can go, you can go look at a bunch of different scouting. And like I said, draft day, his ceiling was, um, bridge pick, which again, end of first, uh, top of second and all of that, and even that doesn't matter because New Orleans was going to take him, yeah. and, and they had the twenty fourth pick, and, and the Eagles point, did take him. Yeah. So I love Daniel. I love him. I think oh, yeah, he's phenomenal. Sure. But bottom line is, NFL teams are going to take him in the first round. No, you're right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Someone was going to take him because you know, to your point as well. I'm looking at PFF's, um, you know, positional rankings for that year as well. And at wide receiver, they had him ranked as the fifth best wide receiver. And, you know, Jerry Judy went before him. C.D. Lamb went before him. Henry Ruggs went before him. Um, they, uh, LaVisca Chenault went after him. Michael Pittman went after him. I don't even hear Jefferson. Um, yeah, right. It's, let me just tell you who the top, who PFF had, has their top 10 receivers in that draft, right? They had Jerry Judy at one, C.D. Lamb at two, Ruggs at three, LaVisca Chenault at four, Jalen Rager at five, Michael Pittman at six, T. Higgins at seven. Justin Jefferson at eight, Ayuk at nine, Mims at 10. So clearly a lot of people, to your point, a lot of people were down on Justin Jefferson. They were down on Justin Jefferson entering that draft. Um, they clearly. Well, I, would, I, I wouldn't even say that. I would say because, you know, most people graded him as a first round pick. Right. And he right. Went but, I, about, but I think a lot of people felt like he was just a slot guy. Right. Yeah. And he went about where he was expected to go. Right. And he's just a hell of a lot better than people realized. And that happens and it happens all the time. Um, If, you know, if people redrafted again, he'd be a top five pick. Um, If, if people redrafted last year, you know, it, it might change, you know, but, but this revisionist history also fit matters, which I said, um, you know, I, I by no means am I trying to excuse the Jalen Rager. Pick. No, no, I it's don't a, think you are, and I don't, and I, I'm not taking it as that. I, I, I think what you're saying is let's be reasonable about this. Yeah, and I think, I, and, and I, 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 I mean, that's what I'm getting from you. And you know, the Eagles. The problem with that is the Eagles had to draft Devontae Smith the next year. They had to sign AJ Brown to 100 million dollars, all because they missed on this pick. So it had a butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing that. Yeah, it's great to have Devontae and AJ. 
But when you're doing that, those are assets that could have gone to different positions. Exactly. And I think that's my overall point when I bring up this conversation, right? Um, Especially with the draft picks. And I know we've definitely gotten kind of far from it, but, you know, I think we can bring it full circle with the fact that, you know, they've had to supplement decisions that didn't pan out for them with either drafting a guy at the same position in the following draft or making a trade. But and I, I challenge turn, you, you, you can go to pro football reference and look right. at any team, every right. single team, and you will see misdraft picks all over the place. Correct. That's it true. It is an inexact science. Uh, the assumption to go back now, now a lot of people are going back to 2022. Oh, you should have taken Kyle Hamilton. Uh, over Jordan Davis. When you know when people when people say that, I kind of laugh because it's easy to say that because I remember on draft night, I, I I remember what the energy was on draft night. People were excited as hell for Jordan Davis. They were well, so it, happy. It, the iron is the irony is the Eagles had to go up ahead of Baltimore to draft Jordan Davis because, because that's who they, they wanted. Yes, they would have drafted Jordan Davis. Um. And Kyle's a great player. Jody and I both uh, loved him coming out. Um, and it's one of the ones we got right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Jordan Davis was a big-time prospect um, at a more valuable position, not just in the Eagles' mind, but around the league's mind. Um, so he went where he went. And right now – I don't know. I think he's been a good player. I just think I was concerned from day one about that pick because I thought it was too esoteric in that, you know, I expected him to eventually become Haloti Nada, a, a, a dominant run stopper, B to Bay, that type of player. Right. People want sacks. And I said, if you want sacks, it's not the you're guy. not going to like this pick. John, do me um, a quick favor. Can you define esoteric? Whenever you use that word, I, I, I always I always say to myself, I got to use that word because you use it just perfectly. And it, it's always in the context of Jordan Davis. Can you define that word for me, man? Well, I, I want to use it, it. It understood by a small number of people with, you know, specialized knowledge of a certain subject. Oh. Um, um, and I always thought that he would be uh, a big time, and and by the way, I still believe as the Eagles move forward, um, the the foundation on on of this defense under Vic Fangio will be built on Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. Do you think that Jordan Davis pick is the kind of pick that you appreciate? Like you said, it's an esoteric move. Do you think that's the kind of move that you you don't appreciate initially? That's something that's a Four, five, six years, seven years down the line, you really, you, you, you really feel. Well, the value if he of turns, if he turns into what he was projected to be, he hasn't been that yet. He hasn't been Haloti Nada yet. He hasn't right. been uh, Vita Bea yet. He hasn't even he been turns, terrible. It's just that no. his 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 conditioning has been the issue. Yeah, that's part of it. And um, you know, if he turns into Vita Bea, yes, he'll be appreciated down the road, but it'll take a while. Mm. So, I don't know. I don't know how you see these two players. Um, because I, I, I know you said Vita Vea. Um, I know I've heard of Benson Wilfork. I don't know how you 
tier those yeah, two Bence players. Is, but... Yeah, Bence is uh, in that category as well. Um, right. So, prime. so what would you if you had to use players as the metric? What's the floor and what's the ceiling for a guy like Jordan Davis if you're using two players as the ceiling and the floor? Well, the ceiling is hello Dinata. That's what I always said is the okay. ceiling. The floor, you you've already seen the floor because he's pretty good now. Um and he can get a lot better. So um is he the dominant player, the dominant run stuffer you want. He he was for about eight games. And again, some of the conditioning issues, which ironically, I mean, for a 300, it, just from a cosmetic standpoint, like he doesn't look out of shape. But there's a big difference between cosmetic shape and NFL shape. And he didn't play a lot at Georgia because they're so gifted and talented up and down they rotate so he, he wasn't asked to play um 50 snaps and here you you want him 50 might be a little bit high for for him but you you want him consistently near the 40 mark um and will he ever get there um he better and the same thing happened with jalen carter now jalen's got to be out there basically every play that's where you want to get Jalen Carter. You want to get Jalen Carter into the Aaron Donald realm. Yeah, into the Fletcher Cox because Fletcher Cox, he actually, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't realize oh, yeah. this. Fletch. Fletcher Fletch early in his like in that first half of his career, even even maybe the third in the third third of the way into his career, Fletcher was regularly flirting around 70, 80 percent of the snaps yeah. regularly. And I would argue you want to even go higher with Jalen Carter if you can because he's. Like I said, he's so gifted. If he can handle it, you don't want him to come off very often. Now, the Eagles have always believed in rotating and and coming at you in those waves, so they're probably not going to go to that extreme. But there are certain guys, mainly edge rushers, the Aiden Hutchinsons of the world, another pick for Detroit. Um, yeah, Max Crosby. Guys Max like Crosby's that. a freak. I try not to compare people to him. Yeah, his, they never his, they never leave the field. Ever. His motor is almost unrealistic. <laughs> his motor is Madden level. Um, but to your point about Aaron Donald, you know, this past season in 2023, he um accounted for 81% of the defensive snaps in 2022, 89%, 2021, 90%. That was the first year, first and only year he went over a thousand snaps on defense. And I think 2021 was the year that they won that Super Bowl. So he gave them his all in a Super Bowl year, and lo and behold, it paid off. Yeah, so they're they're you know people think of defensive line. I think more so in Philadelphia because it has been such a rotational position here, mm -hmm. but not not for everybody. There are guys who play who rarely leave the field, um, and and not a lot, but there are guys who rarely leave the field. And Jalen Carter's so gifted. That if he can do it, you you I would want to turn him into that type of player. Um, I don't know if he can do it though. Okay. Final, uh, final question, John, before we get out of here. Um, and it, it, it pertains to what we're talking about, you know, these Georgia guys. Um, obviously they come from a program where they were being rotated. 
right? We talked about it. Um, it so much, they were they were so deep on those rosters. Some players had to transfer. Some players barely got into the rotation, so on and so forth. And they were also dominating teams, so um, they didn't have to keep certain guys in, like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. Yeah. I say all that to say, um, and you said it cosmetically. Jordan Davis looked like he was in shape. Um, Jalen Carter, same thing. But still, there's a difference. How do they improve? Is that something, in your opinion, in your experience, is that something that you've seen improve over the offseason or is something that just improves as the guys get deeper into their careers? Oh, yeah, that's that's offseason stuff. That's, you know, when guys are working out and left to their own devices and, and you'll see workout videos and guys, that's sort of where you work on that kind of stuff and get in that kind of shape and being, you know, and, and some guys do it and some guys don't. And it's kind of the new era of the NFL. It's like the, the really, truly great players do so much work on their own um, to get to that level um, of, of physical shape. You know, Christian McCaffrey, a different position, obviously. But, I mean, that guy's just, <laughs> you know, talk to Colin Thompson about him occasionally. It's just unbelievable um you know randy uh, randy moss is a guy it was because i got to cover and randy had the reputation of taking plays off and you brought guy never missed a practice but not not a game he tore his hamstring in, in i don't know seventh eighth season he he had never missed a game to that point and he never missed a practice he never missed a practice and, you know, people had this thought process on that he was just a physical freak. Now, if you're that gifted, you, you're you a physical freak, but you work your ass off on top of it. Right, right. Hey, listen, Eagles fans, we appreciate you guys, as always, for locking in on the show. Please make sure you guys smash that like button. We really appreciate it. And also make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports Network on YouTube um, if you guys want more content from John McMullen, check him out on Birds 365. Um, he's on there Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern time with his partner in crime, the legendary Jody McDonald, Jody Mack, um, the Mac man. Uh, on top of that, um, make sure you guys um, check out John's articles on uh, SI.com and on, also on JacobSports.com. He does great work on covering the Philadelphia Eagles. Very insightful, very objective, um, very clean. Um, writing and I appreciate John as always for providing um uh, providing his time to the platform it means a lot to me I know he's a busy guy so I hope you guys appreciate him as well again smash that like button and make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel he's John McMullen I'm your guy Tony DeShields the second and we'll see you guys next time take care when it comes to the fight against insurance companies large corporations and the healthcare industry injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.